0: For lots of people. And so I hope that today, as we look at God's Word, that we'd have some encouragement, and we do. So I want you to turn with me over to John chapter 17 and see something that is part of this chapter, the Holy of Holies of Jesus own inner prayer life where you get to pull back the curtain and see how Jesus prays and find out that Jesus prays for you. Did you know that? That there's actually a place where Jesus prays for you specifically in the scriptures. And here it is. I want to read it to you. Verses 20 to 26 of John chapter 17, he says, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Guess who that is? That's us. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Father, we read these holy words. Maybe we've read them many times father even if they are familiar i pray that they would retain their power to speak to us and to change us and to make us one and father we pray in jesus name amen if you look closely at verse 20 jesus tells us again who this is for it's for us Jesus has been praying for his disciples who are present with him. And now he says, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that's you and I. Look at what Jesus prays for us. He prays that we might be one even as he and the Father are one. And Jesus is talking there about the, about the intra-Trinitarian love of God. Now this is deep water, okay? I'm not going to apologize for the fact that the scriptures are deep. But what Jesus is talking about, He says in verse 21, You, Father, in me, and I in you. That the same kind of love that exists between the Father and the Son might be ours between us. It's the theologians, the term they use is the mutually indwelling, parachoretic love of God. That the Father, in some sense, indwells the Son. That the Son, in some sense, indwells the Father. So that though they retain distinctions in person, so that the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Father, yet they are united in such a way that Father, Son, and Spirit are one being who is God. And Jesus is praying for us to be one body of Christ that though in other words we would not lose our distinction as people that that we would have union with one another of love between each of us you know sometimes people read this and and they they get hung up on that word unity and they go well you know the church is so divided we've got all these denominations and All this kind of thing. And organizational unity is an issue. But it isn't organizational unity that Jesus is talking about. It's relational unity. Because believe it or not, you can all be part of the same organization and show up in the same place week after week or as often as you gather and have great relational division. Amen? And, and what Jesus is concerned about primarily is not our organizational unification, but our relationship one to another. And he wants us to have a love for each other that is just like the one he enjoys, father and son. And and this this is a high and holy unity that we can only approach in the highest and best of human relationships. He is talking about making us reflect together the image of God. He's talking about what Peter describes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, when he says that we, as we come into relationship with, with him through faith in Jesus, that we become partakers of the divine nature. That we, in some sense, participate in the life of God that God brings us into the intra trinitarian love that He Himself enjoys and makes us part of it in a mystical way that we can't fully even grasp. If you look at verses 22 to 23, uh, here quickly... This is the nature of the glory that God has given to Jesus and that he gives to us. That we in the church might be one even as he and the Father are one. And the way it will come about is that he will come to dwell in us even as the Father has dwelt from eternity past in him. In other words, it is Jesus in dwelling presence in our hearts that is meant to bring into reality the oneness that we enjoy that parallels the inter-trinitarian love of God and brings us into it. And there's one more important part of this that we should not miss. Did you catch it? It's repeated twice. Jesus prays for and desires our unity. Why? That the world may know that you sent me. In other words, as we exhibit this God reflecting supernatural unity with one another that comes from being mutually indwelt by the presence of God, then it reveals to the world that Jesus is real. And that he is who he claims to be. And that he brings this about. By the way, how does this happen? Well, look around the room. Is everybody here equally wealthy? No. Is everybody around the room equally healthy? No. Is everybody around the room the same color? No. Is everybody around the room the same age? No. Some of us are more intelligent. Some of us less. Some of us are younger. Some of us older. Some of us skinnier. Some of us fatter. Some of us um, are better looking. Some of us are uglier. Okay. I'll put me down for uglier and fatter. Right, But... Um, but... The po- and, the, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. Don't miss the serious point. Don't miss the serious point. That God redeems all kinds of people and brings them into relationship with one another. People of different races. People of different abilities. People of different intelligence levels. People of different colors. People of different socioeconomic background. People of different all kinds of whatever divisions you want to quote for people, and He makes them one. He makes one new man out of all kinds of different people specifically so that the world will look at that and go, I don't know how you get all those people who are all different into community with each other. It must be because Jesus mutually indwells all of them. And it must be that What Jesus said about himself is actually true. Amen? It must be the reality. Because only God can do that. The natural tendency of all of us is to divide and be separated from and to live in different places from all the people who are different from us. And by the way, politicians specialize in this, right? I mean, their whole idea is let's find an area where people are different from each other and let's get all the people who I want on my side and hopefully it's 51%. And so I want all the rich people to vote for me. I want all the rural people to vote for my opponent and all the city people to vote for me or whatever, okay? That is not, that's the way the world works. But the way Jesus works is to bring all kinds of different people into relationship with each other that it might reveal the glory of Jesus that we might be unified one with one another. It is a powerful witness to the world. I want to simplify and summarize what this is about. These verses... if if you want to get four words that you can take home today, these verses are about being fully known and fully loved in the church by Jesus and by each other. And they tell us that that when that reality comes into existence, it can be a powerful witness to lost people that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. Ever since the fall our natural inclination as fallen and sinful people has been to hide. To hide who we really are, to hide what's really going on in our lives, to hide what's go, uh, to hide from God, to hide from even the people we are close to. You remember what happened as soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin? We had the world's first origin of fashion. <laughs> right? Operation Fig Leaf got started and we became fig leaf fashion designers and we uh, went from naked and unashamed to ashamed and covered real quickly, right? How many of you are all all glad that we are covered up this morning, (laughs) right? Nobody wants to see all that, right? But it is because we are fallen that guilt and shame entered into the picture. And we went from naked and unashamed with nothing to hide to ashamed and covering ourselves because we had plenty to hide. And when they heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, what did they do? They ran and hid. Like, good luck with that, right? When you're, when you're hiding from the Creator of the universe who sees and knows everything, uh, you lose it hide and seek every time right you know this is like this is like this is like when you're playing when you're playing with a three-year-old kid and they don't know that when they can't see you that you can't see them right and so they'll be like dad i'm hiding (laughs) right uh no i can still see you you just have your eyes shut and covered right um but they run and hide from god why because guilt and shame has entered the picture, and ever since then, that has been our natural tendency. And so, even at church, sometimes we lie to each other, right? In fact, I had somebody tell me this week when I was talking to him about an issue they were going through, they said, Well, I said, why didn't you tell me this before? And he said, Well, you're the pastor, everybody lies to you. <laughs> Which is true, okay? But I'm not the only one, I found out, right? We lie to each other all the time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just fine. Just fine. Everything's good. I'm rejoicing in the Lord, brother. How about you? Well, as a matter of fact, my marriage is falling around my shoulders. Oh, well, why didn't you say something? Well, because I didn't know what the purpose of the church was, that we would be fully known and fully loved. That, people, that we would have a community of people empowered and indwelt by the Spirit of God that would know everything there is to know about me and love me anyway, just as Jesus does. That's what church is supposed to be. It is supposed to be the community of the broken who all look in the same direction toward the same Savior who heals all the brokenness. That's what it's supposed to be. That we would be fully known and fully loved. That we would, not, we would have a place and a people among whom it's safe to not hide. When Jesus is talking about that they may be one even as we are one, that's what he means. That's what he means. That church is the place for that. That church is the place where you can tear down the walls you built around your heart. To put down your shield that you put up to protect you from the reality of a broken world. And that you can be fully known and fully loved. By your brothers and sisters who are likewise indwelt by the Spirit of God. Fully known and fully loved. And what Jesus is praying for His followers here and for you and me is that this would be the reality we experience as His followers in the church. And by the way, this takes work. This takes work. This is not something that is going to just happen. It's not something that's going to happen if You know, the only time that you are present in the church is like Christmas, Easter, and once a month if you don't have anything else going on. The shoe fits, wear it. And repent. If this is God's desire for us as a church, we've got to be willing to be with each other And in relationship with each other. And we've got to be able to have it be a safe place where you can bare your soul. And tell people what's really going on. And ask them to pray for you. And walk with you through the valley of the shadow. It's got to be that kind of a place. And in order to do that, you've got to get time together. A lot of time not five minutes over coffee in the hallway is five minutes over coffee in the hallway good yes it's a good start you got to start somewhere but if you want this kind of unity it's going to be something we're going to have to pursue we're going to have to seek it we're going to have to not be shocked to find sinners in our midst I see one every time I look in the mirror. I don't know about you all, right? But, but somehow we, we find out people are really in trouble and have real issues and we go, oh, I didn't know the people of God could struggle like that. Yes, they can. The point is not whether we struggle, is that we struggle well with each other. And that we walk together towards the solution. That we're unified as the people of God around the Son of God as we worship the Father who is God. Empowered by the Spirit of God. That we enter into that triune community and we reflect it in our relationships with one another. That's what this is about. That's what this whole prayer of Jesus is about for you and I when he says that they may be one as we are one. He's talking about that kind of community. It's that kind of community, by the way, that causes you to get married. You're longing for that. You're longing to have, find a person with whom you can be fully safe, fully known, and fully loved. It's what you're striving for in your family. And it's the goal that Jesus has for the church. The church would be the place and the people among whom we can be fully known and fully loved. Now, let me share with you the rest of this passage. Verse 24. What's Jesus' desire? What's He say? Let me read it. Father, I desire that they also, whom You have given Me, may be with Me where I am to see My glory that You have given Me because You have loved Me Before the foundation of the world. You know what Jesus wants to do with you and I? He wants us to bring us home. He wants to bring us home that we can see Him in all of His glory. All of the glory that He laid aside to come and become incarnate as a man that He might die for our sins. He laid all of this glory that He had before the foundation of the world aside so that He could become one of us. But one day He is going to bring us home to be with Him and we are going to see Him as He really is. And when we see Him, it will be the most amazing, beautiful sight that we've ever seen. And we will behold Him in awe forever. Because the big deal about heaven is not that our loved ones are there, it's that we are there with them with Jesus. That we stand before God and we see His glory revealed and we are in union with Him that suddenly all of the hopes that we have ever had for this life, all of the things that never gave us joy, that we keep grasping for and grabbing on to and seeking and pursuing that never fulfill us, that all of those things are reminders that there is something bigger and greater and grander and more glorious that we are made for and we find it in the presence of the King. We get there, and we are with Jesus. We are in union with Christ. That all of the brokenness of the world is essentially a symptom of the fact that we are cut off from relationship with God in the way that we were meant to be in relationship with God. And Jesus restores that to us. And so he prays that we would be brought home, that we would see him. Keep your finger in your Bible there, verse 25 and 26. Jesus continues praying about us and and about the fact that we're not part of the world. The world doesn't know Jesus, but Jesus knows the Father. And we are among those who know that Jesus came from Him because He has made the Father known. His Father's name known to us. Remember what Jesus is talking about when He talks about making the Father's name known? He's talking about more than just the fact that we can address God as Father. A lot of you grew up in a church where you prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? And it's a good prayer. And it's good to pray that way. And it's a privilege that we get to address God that way. But what he's talking about is deeper than that. He's talking about how he has revealed who the Father is to us with his own life. And it's because He has revealed the Father to us that we have placed our faith in Him. He has made the Father's character and His nature known to us. And don't miss the promise of verse 26. Look at it. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Here's the result of union with Christ we have God's promise that Jesus will be in us, and the Father's love will fill us, and we will experience being loved. By God himself. For all eternity. We will experience being known and loved by God himself. For all eternity. Think about that. And it says. Jesus says he will continue to make the father's name known to us. Do you know why he needs to continue? Because God is infinite in his grandeur and glory and beauty and Therefore, coming to understand Him is an inexhaustible task. We will never not be growing in our understanding and experience and appreciation of the love of God for us. That Jesus will for all eternity be progressively revealing. That's what the, that's what the, the Greek that underlines your English, when it says, I will continue in other words, I will never stop doing this. That Jesus will always continually for eternity be revealing God to us because the glory of God is something that we only grow in our ability over, time, over eternity. We will know God better and better and better and better and better and, and never run out of the greatness and glory of who God is. So let me summarize here, just wrap this up. Jesus' prayer for us includes three things. It includes a prayer for us in the church to fully know and love each other and to experience the same kind of love for each other and with each other that exists within the Trinity. And it is based on a mutual relationship with Jesus. And it's also a prayer that this kind of unifying mutual love for each other that is supernatural would overflow to the world in such a way that they would want to be part of it. This is an event. Have you ever thought about the idea... That the love you have for your brothers and sisters in the church would be evangelistic. That's the idea. That the love we have for each other would be something that would be so attractive that unbelievers would take notice and go, you know what? I think some of those people are crazy. They believe things that don't make sense to me, like dead men rising. And miracles of loaves and fish. And seas parting so people can walk through and all that kind of thing. That doesn't make sense to me, but here's what does. These people are filled with the supernatural love for one another. And whatever it takes to be part of that, I'm in. That's the idea. So Jesus prays for our unifying love. He prays for our unifying love to be so abundant that it is literally evangelistic. And he gives us a promise that the Father will bring us to him. That we would continue to experience and forever know his love. Because here's the great thing about God the Father. Well, the great thing. One great thing about God the Father. That he fully knows us and he fully loves us. That is the most amazing thing to me in all the world. Because I have spent my life in various relationships with people where I'm very careful to let them only see a little bit of who I am. You know, it's like Andrew Jackson. I don't know if you know this. He had a, you know, if you see his official portrait on a, on a $20 bill, right? He's got his good side. Facing the portrait artist. Because he, he was in a duel and he had a big sword cut down the other side of his face. Right? And we do the same thing. We present to the world the side we want them to see. God the Father knows every dark corner of your soul. He knows every lustful desire you've ever had, every every hateful word, whether said or not. He knows every corner of who you are, the good and the bad, and guess what? He declares of you, this one is mine. This one is so important to me that I will send my only begotten son to be tortured and killed and buried and humiliated to bring that person into my family. I have got to get them into my house. That is the love of God. That He knows you fully. Every part of you. And He loves you inexhaustibly. And that is his desire for us, that we, like him, would know and love each other fully. Not not in ignorance, not because we hide better, because the Christian life, as my professor from seminary, John Hanna, said, the Christian life is more than killing all the big sins and hiding all the little ones. The Christian life is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God that we are transformed to look like God himself. Fully known, fully loved. In the church, for the world, in union with Christ. That as we are in union with Christ, we are fully known and fully loved, not only by God, but by the people of God, by the body of Christ. And that we, we experience this for the world's sake, that they might be part of it too. That's what this is all about. And again, as I said, if, we're, if we want that, it's Jesus' prayer for us. It's Jesus' promise to us. But there's, a, there's an aspect of this where we're going to have to do two things. We're going to have to draw near to Jesus and then draw near to each other. We're going to have to let people see who we really are and what we're really struggling with, what we're really dealing with, and be able to lay it not just before God but before our brothers and sisters and say, I need help. Amen? And then as we draw near to Jesus, we draw nearer to each other. And that's hard. In fact, it's supernatural. In fact, I know we can't do it. At least not on our own. And so what we need to do is pray right now for God's Spirit to so fill us and help us that He produces this in us as we obey Him. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank You that You do fully know us, that You do fully love us, and that there is no other community in all the world that is like this one. The place where it is safe to be a sinner because this is the place where forgiveness is kept on tap. where repentance and forgiveness flow out from Jesus. Father, I pray for our unity as a church. I pray that as we draw near to you, we would inexorably draw near to one another. That we would be vulnerable enough with each other to to say what is, what the Bible says about us is true. That we're sinners who are saved by grace and that Between now and glory, we will struggle with sin, but we are not meant to struggle alone. We're meant to struggle with brothers and sisters. We're not meant to struggle through pain and suffering and difficulty and and sickness and death alone. We're meant to struggle together with our brothers and sisters that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world and be an encouragement to one another that your love might come with skin. And Father, we pray that we might know this kind of love for one another. We know it only comes through you. We know it only happens if you are present in our lives and that we obey you and pursue you. So Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit we would obey you and pursue you and that you would draw us together. And knit us together. Help us to know you and love you that we might love each other well for the world's sake. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.